Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download our Zion Lutheran Church app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. Welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. This is Jason. Jennifer. I'm John. This is Kate. How's everybody doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. yeah, there's been, I, I know there's been sickness scurrying through the land. There's yeah. been a lot of sickness going around. I hate getting sick in the summer. It's like. <laughs> Feels purposeless. It's like it? my, like my immune system's being like, you're the worst. And summer colds feel bad because it's warm and then you're already feeling gross. I was the sickest though on Tuesday and because I had a cold, I, I never did test positive for COVID because um, I knew that was going around too. And Tuesday was so rainy and like nasty out. And I was like, ha, ha, no one else can do anything fun either. <laughs> Not today, immunity Yeah. I was so praying for the mind. rain. Yeah. System. But it did get nice Tuesday night, I guess. So that was good. Mm-hmm. I don't it's... know. We got back from Florida, yeah, like literally yesterday, last night. And and I know it stormed bad yesterday, right? For, yeah, In the morning. morning yeah. But last night was perfect yeah. i literally yeah. was like this is the perfect day in so Iowa. you know it was yeah. crazy it was okay so we had like it felt like we had no precipitation during winter barely any yeah. in the beginning of spring and now it feels like three out of four days during the week there's some nasty i've got a bunch of yard work i need to get done so we tilled up the land so i could put new seed on every day i want to put seed it's pouring down rain so i can't do the seed i on. like a wet summer though because i hate when it's a drought in clear lake because the lake smells so bad when the lake lights up <laughs> i've it never does. been here in a drought i don't know what you're i don't about. like that at all if you walk along the seawall on like yeah. a really hot dry day and we haven't had rain for a while it smells like dead fish by the lake oh. because the the water level is so low i don't like that i like it a lot i haven't been here for that it's gross. um the thing I was going to say is with all the rain, it like, it's hard to get your vitamin D and yeah, people need is. that. So you kind of yeah. like, like live winter need in vitamin lieu R. of coming, the coming summer when yeah. summer is not sunny. We don't need vitamin R. That's yeah. rain. Absolutely not. Vitamin rain. Oh. I'm not, I mean, I'm not giving I don't medical even advice here, but take a vitamin D vitamin. Okay. My wife has a sunlight. Have you yeah, guys seen yeah. that? Me, she let me borrow it. She loves her sunlight. It gives you pumps out vitamin D. Well, I, I, it's yeah. a UV light. It's a UV light. It's and really then your body cool. processes UV rays to produce vitamin so D. Vitamin D. Awesome. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So I'm a redhead. I know you can't tell now because I have more gray and brown. But when but I was also a kid, because you're on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the thing. So like, like my son, he looks just like me, including the red yeah, hair. Totally. And because I'm a redhead, the sun and I are natural born enemies. Like sure. I'm not a fan of the of the sun. Yeah. Never have been. Talk about living in the wrong state growing up in San Diego. Right. Like it's sunny. Oh yeah. I, was, I mean, it's it's even now. I'm like I love overcast days, so I don't need vitamin D. I let it as long as it's overcast. I'm great to go. Because you're fair skinned, you're able to absorb vitamin D from the UV rays simpler than people that have a lot of melanin in their skin. Yes. So that's why you don't need as much, maybe. That's right. That's right. I'm 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 like a superhero. You're, you're a super vitamin D body processor. I'm a superhero. That's or also that's... known as a ginger. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it like only like three percent of the world yeah, are redheads? Actually, and it's redheads tricky. Are dying out. They're yeah. dying out. My so I'm, I'm perpetuating the species. That's <laughs> with my children. How dare you? <laughs> Let it <Right>. die. <laughs> wow, that just got I'm real sorry. dark, real fast. <laughs> All right, so we are in our fourth week on This Is How I Fight. And I don't know about you, when we were talking about this during Sermon yeah. Read Through today, man, I've been feeling the attacks. Like, yep. yeah. I feel like our community is. Um, our and church individually, our, our families. Yes, like it's, and, yeah. and here's the thing, like, I don't remember who said this, is uh, if you're not being attacked, it means you're not doing something. Because when you're doing something for the kingdom, the enemy wants to mess with you. He doesn't mess with people who aren't challenging the kingdom. Yeah. I've always heard the phrase, and I don't know if it's just super Christianese or if somebody made it up, but it was like, you know, we know the verse that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah. And it's like, the thief doesn't break into an empty house. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Preach, sister. Right? Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know. So I, that always like made me feel better when it's like, man, why am I feeling so attacked? It's because I got stuff worth taking, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. 
That's one. And I, I think what's so hard about it, though, is it's like you don't it's so sneaky and yeah. you don't always That's know it's spiritual attack. That's yeah, you got to be on guard. Yeah, it's like I may have invited him into my house Amen. Yeah. and didn't know he was going to rob me while he was there. You know, well, yeah. technically it's burglarized, but that's a different story. Telling <laughs> <laughs> you do public safety without telling me you do public safety. Uh, did I get burgled? I was burgled. That's right. Uh, that's a hard word for Scottish people to say. Burgled. Yeah. Oh, look at that! I'm burgled. Burgled. But it's true. Burgled. It's sneaky, and it comes in the form of distraction sometimes, or it doesn't always feel like you're robbed. It feels like you just turned your head around, and now what just happened? And things well, got off course, and you didn't know to protect yourself, and. So what is the thing? I mean, this, I this, this, um, yeah, we should. Amen. Well, so like, I remember years ago, I had somebody ask me, could the devil, can the devil be saved? Like, can the devil repent? And, and is it okay to hate the devil? Yes. God hates evil and yeah. Satan is the embodiment mm-hmm. of evil. And, and you said, you know, I was thinking I had all, I had my alliterations, the D's disrupt, destroy, distract. And part of what the enemy does is he distracts you without making you realize you're distracted. Yeah. He disrupts without making you think you're being disrupted. Um, he deceives, you know, all, all the D words that go with the devil, that's, that's the, not the vitamin D, the wrong. Right. Quite <laughs> yeah. the opposite, yeah. I think, yeah. So, oh, all right, so let's think like, okay, so this Sunday uh, we're talking about, and again, we're recording this before Sunday, so it's always interesting because maybe I don't say it, I don't know. <laughs> but we're talking about um, how we resist. And that's the whole point is, is that we, you know, we've talked about strongholds. We've talked about generational sins, which I've had several people who not only were appreciative, but even on Sunday, I had some people who came up and said, I didn't realize that I've been caught in a generational sin and I I felt it. And even just having the knowledge of it means that one, you're, you're stepping into the enemy's territory, which means he's going to come back. There's an opportunity for freedom. That's right. He doesn't want you free. If you don't know what's chaining you down and what's holding you, you don't know how to free get freed from that. Yeah. Well, and it's it's if if everybody in the world was blind, then no one would know what sight is, right? Mm-hmm. And but the minute one person sees, See. now all of a sudden you have a hey, we're blind. Yeah. And and that's kind of the enemy's strategy. Is that's why he says he he blinds the eyes of of this age of the world of this age. He's kept them spiritually blind, so they didn't realize they're being deceived. Mm-hmm. Um. One of the things we talked about is how we fight and this idea of resisting. Okay, so this is more of a fun conversation. What's something you have a hard time resisting that's fun? Like it could be a food, it could be an activity. What What's something that for you and like if it's there, you're like, oh, that'd be tough to resist. For me, chocolate chip cookies. Oh. If I see a good chocolate chip warm. cookie, oh, warm chocolate and with milk. Like that's hard for me to resist. Like, oh, how about what are what is something that for you? You're like. I think that for me, like getting together with with a group of my girlfriends and then we start talking and it's girl talk, but then it starts to err on the side of gossip. gossip. Oh, and then yeah. it's like, okay, are we gossiping uh-huh. or are we chatting? Like, isn't there better things that we can talk about, you know, or like even, even if it's not gossip, like, oh, did you hear about Jason? But even like. Yeah, <laughs> tell me. <laughs> His ears are uneven. No, just well, kidding. That's true. That's not kidding. That's true. Have, You've used it as a sermon illustration. I have so weird like, ears, man. It's fine. One ears. points up, one goes out. It's weird. But like, I also like complaining, being yeah. very negative, right. negative-minded, and be and starting to feed that resentment and that venting. Well, you like, like I, was, I was trying to keep it light and fun, but we're going deep now. But okay, sometimes no, that like is, that. but sometimes that, that is, is fun. Oh, okay, yeah. I see what you're saying. So oh, yeah, is, totally. It's just yeah. that there, and like, I don't do this, but I could. I, the temptation is to sit there and complain about my husband. Yep. Yeah. But I saw a thing that said, be careful of how you paint your spouse, because if they were going to look at a picture of them, what would they see? And it's like, if the only thing you're ever saying about them is negative, that's all they're going to see about them. But not only that, that but like, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Since her husband. Thank you. The other thing about that is the negative talk actually makes connections neurologically in your brain. And it takes a lot of work to undo those. So they've done, they've done research that shows that uh, if you want to bind people together, Give them a common, common enemy. Amen. That's what unites people is a common enemy. And unfortunately, as Christians, we've made our enemy the wrong person. Yeah. Yeah. Wrong I think that in like spouses for sure, where it's like you fight against each other. It's like the devil's the enemy. Right. You should yeah. be united right. against right. him. 
Yeah. 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 And that's one. Well, Sorry, even, that wasn't a fun one. <laughs> no, 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 because it's like, okay, I was trying to be, I was trying to keep it light so you didn't have to get into the deep waters, but let's Sorry, talk. I don't smell talk, bro. No, that's Did you hear about Kate's problem with gossip? <laughs> I know. You know what? Bring it out on the light, sis. Amen. All right. All right. So what else? So now you can keep it light or you can go deep. Whatever you want to do, I'm down with. Um, I love a good charcuterie tray, but oh. dairy isn't my friend. And so there you go. You're charcuterie intolerant. Resisting I, cheese. I <laughs> lo- like you put a spread Is of it charcuterie not in for you? me and I'm just going <laughs> to. I think he's being kind of a monster today. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was good. Thank you. Was, uh, All right. That was a lot of cheese puns. So. <laughs> that's not Joe's. That's mine. No. No. <laughs> no. Anyway, I have a hard time resisting, but it's not. Okay. We talked about this when we were fasting. Yeah. It's not just because food is a temptation for me always. Yeah. Um, Cause you need it. Well, that's the problem. Need it, some... But also because sometimes I'm just bored and I like, yeah, sometimes and you because don't, you need you it, don't actually need it. It's, that's the problem is though, because you do need it. It's easy it's, to go. It's a fine, very it's fine, a fine line. line. Yep. That's right. But the, it, when you resist it, you're not just resisting the physical food it's the social part like yeah. what's the part of the charcuterie that i really enjoyed the cheese <clears throat> or the standing around it the fellowship around it like i want the fellowship around it yeah because yeah. i i do uh, this is the enneagram seven in me i love a gathering yeah. of friends i when i was younger i loved crowds now I if i if i'm with five six seven friends i love that that's one of the honors one of the things i love about the podcast yeah i actually enjoy this hour it doesn't feel it doesn't yeah. feel like work yeah it's a conversation this is very natural um how about you, John? I have, I'm going to make mine a little deeper since, you know, challenge accepted, Kate. Mm-hmm. Well, like, I'm not going to keep going on the food train here, but, like, I find myself sometimes that there's, there isn't one snack in particular, but I will hard <laughs> jump on a snack for maybe a week. It's ridiculous, you guys. <laughs> so it'll be like Oreos one week, and I'll just No, it's like for a whole in. month, and you've like gone through that's, five things of terrible. Oreos. That week, right? Five things that week. And then, should we get some Oreos? No, absolutely not. <clears throat> yeah, and then all of a sudden he just hates them. <clears throat> like, he hasn't touched the Oreos I bought like six months ago, but he ate like five of them within like a 60-day uh-huh, span. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I like tried to cut some things out because I know that I would always gravitate towards them. So one thing was like uh, soda, more specifically mm-hmm. Sprite. Like I would get, you know, the 12 pack canned Sprite and drink like three of them a day and it'd be gone within three days. And I'm like, that probably wasn't very healthy. <laughs> See, no, that's convicting for me. You want to know why I gave up soda? Like legit soda. Mm. I would literally go through a six pack of of Diet Dr. Pepper, Cherry Dr. Pepper was my jam. Mm-hmm. I'd go through a six pack of the bottles in yeah. the morning. Wow, wow. that's crazy. Because I just, I'm, oh, I have an oral fixation. So I, like I'm, I'm always crazy. drinking or eating yeah. something. And so now I drink soda water because I realized I crave the, the carbonation right. and I do like the flavors. But like when someone's like, that's not normal, my wife, no lie, I got stuck on Fresca because Fresca technically. Says it's a flavored water. It's sure. got sugar. Yeah. And well, no, it doesn't. It's calories, zero calories. Okay. Does it have the fake sugar? Yeah. Yes, but that's okay. not the same. <laughs> no, it's worse. So I know it is. And so my wife literally had an intervention with me about six months ago <laughs> where she's like, You're drinking a lot, a lot of, of what was the name of it? Fresca. Fresca. <laughs> I want to say Verner's, which is also really good. I think you've even said it like a couple of times here on the podcast, like drink your Fresca. Have yeah, you I did it really. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did at the end. I was like, don't forget to drink Thank your you, Fresca. Lisa Miller. And my wife literally, she was like, I need to have a conversation with you. I don't want you to get mad. You okay? So this is how you know it might Hi. be a stronghold is that when somebody tells yeah. you to stop and you're like, no, I don't mean to. I'm fine. Yeah. I, I just recently read a book and it was well, it was Enemies of the Heart that I by Andy Stanley Stanley that I was telling yeah. it was so good. But he was like, one of them was anger. You don't think you have an anger problem? Ask your spouse. Ask your children. They'll tell you. Like, the people around you know your strongholds. (laughs) They often will know your strongholds better than you do. And so the best way to identify them is to ask people who care about you. And I think that's just, honestly, I just want to affirm you and Lisa's marriage in that. Because that's a really healthy, but difficult but uh, that's a way to do marriage. That's like, that's how you're supposed and to be And she made me, she was like, would you please stop drinking? You're drinking too much. And honestly, I think it's a problem. And I'm like, it's just Fresca. 
She goes, if you love me, I'm asking. Not if you love me, you'll need to. But if you love me, I'm asking, would you please stop drinking? And I'm like, fine. And I was all bitter and pouty, like a little whiny baby. And then like three weeks later, I'm like, I probably had a problem with Fresca. <laughs> I think like even for friendships, when a friend holds some, not holds something to you or brings something to you, but like, um, you know, point something out or it's yeah. like, hey, have you seen this? Have you looked at this? Maybe you should stop doing this. And if our immediate reaction is to like get defensive, right? I've been working on making sure to honestly look at it as like a third party person. Like, what is the truth in this? Because sometimes it's not always it coming from a healthy place That's right. or they don't have the full story. Yeah. You know, yeah. somebody might say something to you like, oh, you use harsh language. Well, what is that person going through? Can I look at that honestly and say, okay, do I sometimes use harsh language or, you know, um, over-exaggerate the things that I'm saying? Sure, but here's where I'm coming from. And then that way, you're really doing the hard work of self-awareness. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It so, you no, know, this is good because talking about strongholds, and that's, you know, this whole point of the first, the first three weeks where we have an unseen enemy. The enemy knows that if he can get a hold of your mind, which is through the lies and deception, he can get a hold of your heart, he's got a hold of you. And then when those happen, once he's got a hold of you, he gets you in a stronghold. And unfortunately, some of those strongholds aren't ones that you got. They were passed down. They yeah. were generational, not curses, because you're not going to be held accountable for somebody else's sin, according to the Bible. But that sin now leads you to sin. And now you are going to be held accountable for the sin that you've committed, that maybe you inherited that stronghold by either things that were taught in your family, lies that were believed, or even what more recent science is showing is that on a cellular level, our genetics get hardwired for behaviors and beliefs and traumas. Mm -hmm. And that's crazy because the Bible has been talking about that for a long time. Well, we've been talking about re resisting. And here's the thing that I think that what we see with the enemy, because he's smart, because he's smooth and conniving, he understands that if something was a strong stronghold for you once, even if you've been set free, he knows all it takes is that one yeah. little deception to get you back. And he plays on insecurity. And Watch we, out. So you may not be tempted too. That's right. That's exactly right. And, and now we get in and here's the thing about Satan. And I used a, the language of bullying. And by, by the way, that's not from me. That was from Dr. Carl Payne, who wrote a great book on deliverance and spiritual warfare. But he talks about that Satan is the ultimate bully. The yeah. demons are bullies. And what do bullies really play on? Fear, insecurities. Insecurity. And uh, okay, a little Enneagram talk, because we do talk about it every once in a while. So the triad, so you have three triads in the Enneagram. Uh, for the, the head triad, the, the core emotion is fear. For the gut triad, which is eight, nines, and ones, the core emotion is anger. Uh, for the heart triad, which is two, three, and four, the core emotion is shame or, um, oh my gosh, envy or sadness. And for the longest time, and I, had no, I didn't even know this about the Enneagram, if you had asked me what was the root of all sin, I would say fear. Mm. Because that's, what my, that's almost all sin for me is rooted in some level of fear. Fear of missing out, fear yeah. of not having enough, fear of insecurity. And then I started talking to people that, as I learned in the Enneagram, I talked to people that were in the gut, and they were like, no, I think it was more angry. Like, I think at one point, even you were like, I don't think that was the root of it. I think they were upset that God put limitations on them or something. And I was like... That never even crossed my mind because I don't think that way. Yeah. And one of the things that we see as a bully, he plays on sometimes our root emotion. And so I'm curious. So let's like, okay, Jennifer, as an Enneagram 8, which you're not an 8. That's the, the gift, but sometimes the lie we believe. How does the enemy use anger to bully you, uh, to, to get a hold of you? And I'd be curious, like, yeah. Kate, John, for you, where you are in your, your personalities and numbers, how does the enemy... How does he play on that, that bullying? My, the play on the angry for me is that it's, I feel like it's justified. Oh, yeah. So there, and, and this is where you were talking a couple of weeks ago about how, like, the lie is a twist of the truth, yeah. right? There is a partial truth in there. So for me, it's like, no, I am right about this issue, right? But I just don't, it's not appropriate to respond this angrily yeah. about it. So that's, I think, where I, for me, it's like, I have to be able to separate those and go, 
you might be justified in feeling that way. You might be right about the issue, but is it okay to respond this way? Yeah. And that's where I think the enemy twists it to go, well, I'm right. And then that just fuels my anger so, more so. So his, his approach is playing under your insecurity or whatever that might be is he pushes on that anger knowing he's going to send you over the edge. Yeah. How about you guys? But if you, when you think through that, how does the enemy, because I think that's, sometimes we don't recognize the strongholds until we're able to acknowledge that goes back to your point, Kate, of self-awareness. I've done a lot of work on this <laughs> and still working. Well, I think um, we all are, right? I, I know that with like Enneagram 2, the sin of choice, I guess is a way you could put it in easiest, simplest terms, is pride, um, which we know is a shame disease, yeah. right? And so I struggle with shame and pride. And then I shame myself for the pride that yeah. I have, you know. <laughs> Um, and then it's, it's, it's a false pride. It's built out of the insecurities and the shame that I have, right? Like it just compounds. And so I really have to do a lot of self-aware, deep digging, shadow work kind of stuff to see the root of the shame, to understand why I'm responding in pride. I struggle with anger as well because of the pride of it, where I'll step into that challenger of an eight where it's like, I'll get angry because of that justification feeling. I'm prideful and thinking Which is connected to that too. And it spins around and I really need to look at the shame of it, of why am I reacting in this way? Well, because I feel defensive often because Mm. I'm ashamed, I'm embarrassed. And then I think about it and it says, okay, so why am I reacting in something that's defensive or shameful? And most often it's because I've felt harmed or hurt or wrong or embarrassed so Satan picks at that. Yeah. And so even then, even after doing the hard work of being like, no, I'm not angry. I'm embarrassed. Yeah. And Satan goes, you should be, yeah. you know? Oh, and so wow. he continues. Like it goes yeah. so deep, you guys. So, you know what? That's okay. I just thought about this. Kate, that, that, those words, you should be, yeah. mm-hmm. that is the lie the enemy does to me. It's a flat out lie from the pit of hell. You I'm angry. Be. You should be. I've yes. never, I've never connected that phrase because as soon as you said that, okay, so one of you my- You can shit all over your friends. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I get, I get angry as well because I, in stress, I go to yeah. the one, I, I overemphasize what I'm missing out on and then I want control of it. And usually what goes through my mind is, and I've never connected that. It is that well, you should feel left out. Yeah. Yeah. You should feel. It's the, it's the twist of it's the, the truth. Yeah. It's the of the lie. And sometimes, like, I think about, and this is, it's, okay, I'm, I'm going to be 47 here in less than a month. I'm getting up there, right? Congrats. Oh, holy smokes. I'm close to 50. I'm closer to 50 than I am any other number before, which is really weird for me. And I was thinking about it, like, sometimes I still feel like a kid by the things that that I get hurt by. Mm, and I'm amen. like, I'm 47. Why is that still bothering me? So like, yeah. I find out friends go out. Yeah, it is. Well, that's that part of me yeah. that I experienced as a kid. Yeah. So like I hear that's friends, true. friends go out, right? And the enemy goes, why didn't they invite you? They probably don't like you. And, they, and all of a sudden, and you should be upset they didn't like, they say to your friends, why didn't real friends would have done this. And yeah. I hear all those little lies because that was my deepest insecurity uh-huh. as a child. Uh-huh. There's not being, and again, I don't want to be needed. I want to be wanted. Yeah. So There's that's, man, that is cool good. research with, um, I can't remember what it's called, something rejection disorder, which is connected as a symptom. I'm of, a disorder. No, it's a symptom <laughs> of ADD or ADHD. Yeah. And a lot of neurodivergent kids now have this where they perceive most things to be rejection yes. and then they take it so personally. They take yeah. it and they spiral and it's with a, it. And it's an unfortunate side of narcissism that we're all on the narcissism spectrum. We're self-absorbed yeah. and nar- narcissism better. often comes from neglecting needs as a child. That's right. Yeah. And that's so, um, and I, I want to hear yours as well, John, but we got spiraled out. We got, we got cyber, we got rabbit trailed. Um, when, when I did some work in therapy, one of the things that I was working through is um, I got diagnosed with a mild detachment, attachment disorder. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a very encouraging because a friend of mine who's a counselor was like, I never would have guessed you'd have that. Most people with attachment disorders end up being very narcissistic. Well, I feel narcissistic at times inside of me, but it doesn't reveal itself very often, but I feel it. And then when I, this is when I've had to do my work, is that often I'll make bad decisions in an attempt to recover what I feel was lost. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, and that's where the enemy, you should feel that way. You deserve to be at that. And then all of a sudden I 
I stretch, I stretch myself past a boundary yeah. and it's all out of that fear, that fear yeah. of not being wanted, that fear of missing out, fear of, mm-hmm. that was such a good word, kid. That needs to be preached, preaching mm-hmm. system. What, what? Okay, John, how about you? Um, I, I feel like for me as a Enneagram 9, it's this, this that idea of you should be complacent. You should be, if I go one step further, you should be lazy. Mm. Um, because the big thing with the nine is not wanting to cause undue harm or conflict to self or other anybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's kind of like seeking an oasis in everything, even if <laughs> even if doing so would be har- more harmful to others in the long run. Mm. Um, it's kind of like it's kind of like the devil saying to me. You don't need to interject in this scenario. You don't need to. Uh, it's almost like you should anything. not. You should not. Yeah, you should not. You have the opposite. You shouldn't. Yeah. You should we just... are total opposites. Or it could be you should relax. I'm like you compulsive mm-hmm. action, and he's compulsive non-action. Okay, so I just had a connection point, and this I think this could be interesting. What's the purpose of deliverance? To be delivered from our enemy and deliverance ministry and deliver in charismatic circles, deliverance ministry is really important. Yeah. It's a big part of charismatic. And I actually think they get some things right and yeah. some things wrong. Yeah. Just like non-charismatic gets some things right and gets some things wrong. Yeah. This guy, Dr. Carl Payne, who I've I quoted on Sunday, he's actually a reformed Calvinist who does deliverance ministry. And in the beginning of his book, he's like, you're probably wondering how a reformed <laughs> Calvinist got into deliverance ministry. And, and he's got, I mean, the reason why I chose that one of, I chose his book uh, compared to many other ones, the people who promoted and who gave forwards for his books and said, this is one of the best books on deliverance ministry were all over the spectrum. Uh-huh. And they are well-known scholars and pastors and theologians. But okay, so let's, if the goal of deliverance, deliverance needs to be rescued from. And if, if Satan, okay, but here's the thing. Uh, if Satan's goal is to intimidate, it's to, as he puts it, take your lunch money. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the really reality is he's a coward. He knows he's defeated. He wants to cause as much harm and he wants to play on fear. And all you need to do, if you truly resist him uh, in Christ, he'll back off. Only, and this is the part, only if your big brother who is Jesus is there. Yeah. And, and so I'm thinking about this. Like for me, what is deliverance? What does it look like to deliver somebody from a stronghold? How do we bring that? And Kate, it comes back to one of the things you said a minute ago. Until we know what we're afraid of, we can't be delivered from it. Yeah. And because then, it just keeps having its power over you. Yeah, and we if don't it's even thriving in the darkness. And we don't even know it's there. Mm-hmm. And and I think that work of self awareness. I've had several people over the years. Why why is self awareness so important? The fact that you say that shows why self awareness is mm-hmm. so important because it means you have no clue of how other people are responding to you, perceiving you, yeah. or even how yourself. If but, you think of like the, the bull in the china shop, you know, make that joke, like a bull in the china shop, and it's it's going around everywhere that it turns, it trashes everything. Because it's a giant bull. Because it's huge. <clears throat> but also, if you think of it as like, it's so big that it's not aware of where its own rear end is, and yeah. that when it turns around, it knocks it over. That spatial awareness is very important when you're in a crowd or in a fragile area. If you think of other people or relationships or even your faith as something to be built up and worked on, that means that it can be torn down, that it has some kind of, you know, fragility, I think is the word. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if you're not aware of your surroundings, of how you're, when you're turning around and what you're doing is affecting something that could be fragile, you can be a part of tearing it down, including yourself. You could actually be creating the harm. The chaos, right? I think the thing about self-awareness, though, is it has to be done in, in reflection of God, like God's awareness right. of you. Right. So it's like, who am I? Who is God? Who am I? Who is God? So, who am I who in God? God? That's Where right. am I falling short? Because if it's just self-awareness, no, you, it, so will not, it, self it will not bring the deliverance that's that you right. find. That well, because the deliverance for. has to come from an outside source. It comes source. from the rescuer, that's right. not yourself. You can't rescue yourself if you're like, imprisoned. You, you wait for someone to come do that so david benner in his book the gift of being yourself he and i think i've talked about this book so many times because it literally changed my life Mm -hmm. um but he talks about that the goal of self-awareness is actually awareness of god 
Right. And the more I learn who God is, the more I understand who I am. The more I understand who I am, the more I can well, understand God. we're made in God. the image of God. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. Satan wants to keep you unaware. Yeah. And, and uh, as you were talking about bull in a china shop, what came to my mind was children in a china shop. Amen. Because children are probably more destructive than a bull. And yet you look at a bull and of course a bull doesn't know. A bull has no intelligence. But we look at a child and why are we shocked when children destroy things in a china shop? They're not self-aware yet. They're children. They're not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And, and what happens is that child gets older, part of the development. And I think there's a spiritual, I think there's a reason why the Bible describes maturity, uses the imagery of physical maturity to demonstrate spiritual maturity. Yeah. If you're still, if you're a 40-year-old Christian, but you're spiritually six, yeah. because you were like, well, I just need to be innocent like a child, which is not what that verse is about when it says to be childlike. No. It means complete <laughs> dependence yeah. on Christ. That's all it means. Um, and now all of a sudden, Satan plays on that. And I think this is one of the tools he's used in the church is he, he now, either one, we go too far. We're now the goal of self-awareness, but it's not self-awareness in Christ. It's all the Christians who are reading all the pop psychology books and all the self-help books, even Christian self-help books that don't point you to Jesus. They point you to self-actualization. Yeah. Or, dare I say, Enneagram. Just look That's at right. It Absolutely. No, and this is, yeah. uh, Jennifer, I still remember when we were yeah. first doing the Enneagram, you were really annoyed by it. And you're like, what's this Enneagram? And the real point of it is, is that it can be done unwisely and Correct. unhealthily where you yeah. define yourself. Yeah. But so, when you use it as a tool to point you to the gospel and Jesus, yes. it's beautiful. But it can equally be tainted and really a disgusting thing. And I've seen that damage where now people will, they make the Enneagram salvific or they define themselves by their personality like we do with almost any other thing. We can make it sinful. Something good gets twisted. Yeah. Your so, original question was, what is the point of deliverance? Yes, what's the point of deliverance? Thank you for bringing us back. And I was thinking about it. And one of my favorite questions that I ask, kind of as a joke, when people say something, sometimes I'll respond, but for what? But for what? Yeah, but for what? What are we doing this for? What are you delivered for? Not just from, yeah. because we've Amen. called that out. Strongholds yep. stay in our own sinful selves, the lies we believe you're delivered from. But what are you delivered for is kind of what your question was, yeah. right? And I think that we had a great um, time that we talked about like spiritual gifts and things like that. And what are spiritual gifts for? When you start to walk humbly, you know, loving mercy and acting justly, what is that for? For building up the church, edifying one another, to love God and love others ultimately is what it's for. To make this place a better place while we're here, God's kingdom here on earth, while we're here until the day of Jesus, that he continues his good work in us until the day of Jesus. And I'll take it another step yeah to glorify god amen to bring the glory of god here <clears throat> amen when it's i was thinking about it just to play on words what's the difference between delivery and deliverance and it's it's subtle but i mean it's yeah. actually i think it's a it could mean something delivery means something is brought to you deliverance yeah. is something you're set free from yeah pizza planet <laughs> <laughs> hey it's because buzz Lightyear's coming out so yeah which know. looks great uh well but even in even in that kate and i i think this is so good because one of the parts we're going to be talking about um resistance part of resistance spiritual resistance is flourishing yeah god actually does want all human beings to flourish he wants our planet to flourish he yeah. wants our communities to flourish. The devil brings destruction. Yeah. Problem is, we have false flourishing. I love right. it. Even the wording of stand firm. Yeah. I don't think of somebody that's like weakly cowering well, before no. Satan. No, you're like standing firm. Like I am there's strong. Strength, I'm yeah. equipped. Yeah. I am confident. I'm standing firm. Yeah. I'm watching where the enemy is. Like I'm, I'm on guard. Yeah. And, yeah. and he says, once you stand firm, continue to stand firm, and then stand firm some more. Yeah. Because, <laughs> don't give up. Because that's exactly <laughs> it. Because our what does Satan want you to do? So one of the things that that. The, as a spiritual bully that he'll do is he'll pick on you to the point where you get tired. Yeah. And this is yeah. when we need that community of faith around Wearing us. Wearing you down to apathy. Uh, yeah. And, and I think that's where and it so breaks my heart. I wish people could understand what the difference between having a truly godly community of fun people. I, I still think it's, this, sound, this is going to sound really weird. I think it's um, sinful is the wrong word. I don't, you don't have to have a Bible study every time you get together with Christians. And I think right. that's the perspective people have is every time Christians get together, they got to open their Bible and pull out a guitar and, and they don't know how to have fun. Yeah. And some of the best times I've had in my life have been with people who love Jesus 
And we're not, we're just living, we're flourishing, but we're not flourishing in the way the world wants us to. And it's far more compelling. But the perspective, and I felt guilty about this for years where I was like, well, we only got together. We didn't pray. We didn't open up Uh, our Bibles. And one of my pastors like, you realize that that's... (laughs) Do you do that with anybody else? Well, no wonder no one wants to hang out with you. <laughs> well, and the reality is actually those shared experiences are what grow the depth of your relationship to be able to have the transparent and vulnerable conversations yes. that Christ wants you to have. The, yes. the confessional community that you're supposed to be called to live in. Yes. One of our favorite things that we do as like a friend group, my little friend circle that I have, it's not that little, it keeps growing, thank God. <laughs> which is amazing. <laughs> which is great. It's a, it's a champagne problem. Um, but... One of our favorite things that we do is like highs and lows at the end of the night. And we often do pray about those lows and the highs to celebrate. But like that, we talk, it's like the spiritual grazing idea where it's like you aren't maybe doing a Bible study, but it doesn't mean we left Jesus out of it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the part, like the pictures we get of Jesus in the Bible is he's always teaching. No, he was wrestling with the disciples. He was laughing. They were telling jokes. Yeah. They were fishing. But, yeah. but all we get are the pictures of Jesus telling stories. and Because those, there's only so much to write down yeah. and share. Right. That's, it doesn't make sense to, from, from a writing standpoint to go. And then Jesus sat with all the 12 disciples and talked about what kinds of fish they got. Do you think Jesus had toilet humor? I yes. think he did. 100%. I feel like he did. I bet he laughed Fully at a human. fart joke or two. I, I think, I think, well, first of all, Jesus hung out with fishermen. Right? They would have been real crass, and, you know? And, and well, here's the thing. Why did people Peter, love, you bet. Yeah. Why, why did people love hanging out with Jesus? Because he was relatable. Because you, you imagine Jesus yeah. going to a party. Oh, no, guys, guys, guys. Gather around. Can we just talk about the Bible for a minute all the time? Like, no, there's beautiful times. And yeah. my best conversations with Jennifer, to your point, it's when I have that connection, when we can laugh together, when all of a sudden when God is doing stuff in our lives, now there's a different death. Yep. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I, I think those conversations might have come up like, we were just hanging out, having a, having a good time, and then Bartholomew or whoever says something, and then Jesus makes a point off of that. Like, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's like, it's not always being, all right, we got to... Make sure to break out our Bibles every time. Open up your out. scrolls, people. Yes. It's just it's just like being aware of loving God and loving others. Yeah. Well, well we were talking about this from like a even a preaching standpoint of if if our messages are boring, oh. we're not being a good steward of the God's word. If our fellowship is boring, we're not being good. We are not modeling true community. So when I think about so I was talking with somebody this morning about this. Um Part of the reason why I think the church has lost its authority and culture is we don't have a compelling, we're not compelling. Like they, they don't see a compelling reason why church is more valuable than playing sports all the time yeah, or, a club. or a club. In fact, they'd sooner, I, I actually asked somebody at our church, I said, hey, when you first moved here, where did you go to build community? Oh, I joined the fire, I joined the fire department in a bowling league or a softball league. You didn't go to church. Why would I yeah. go to church for that? Yeah. Like that is that says so much about how the world, even Christians view church. Church is like, not the place for community. To be fair, I definitely tried to join the church originally to make friends. I mean, I, I sought Jesus first. Yeah. And then I lost all of my friends. I was like, well, if I continue to go mm-hmm. to church, I'll make new friends. Yep. You guys. <laughs> It didn't work out like that. (laughs) It wasn't until I stopped seeking people to fill my needs that I was actually able to make friends. You know what I mean? And and that's, I think, the the, this goes on both sides because on flip side, sometimes churches aren't very friendly Mm -hmm. because we're self-absorbed and we're there to do our task and then move off. Or this is part of living in a small town. Everybody's known each other for so long. They've only got so many clicks on their Lego block that they feel like they can attach. Uh-huh. Yeah. But the flip side of that is this, is that we should expect people who are dealing with loneliness that they should feel like the church is the place to come that they yeah. can make it. I agree. We still have to have boundaries, you know, but it's, it's interesting that we think about this compelling. Now, again, let's go back because we're talking about spiritual warfare. Um, I do believe there are strongholds in the church. I believe there are strongholds in our community that, that are important, that, as Clear Lake is the community I'm referring to, and Zion, there are some strongholds that the enemy has gotten a hold of things, and we need to be delivered from them so we can deliver 
the gospel, that the gospel can be seen in light of the power and compelling truth that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the, the story of when Paul encounters these, uh, these Jewish leaders' sons, or sorry, he hears about them. They're going around and casting out demons, and they say, in Jesus' name, who, who Paul preaches, talks about, and they cast out demons, and for a little while they're successful until all of a sudden they meet one demon, and the demon goes, I know Jesus. I've heard about Paul. I don't have a clue who you are, dude. Yeah. Right? And, and think about, and then the, the demon attacks the guy through yeah. this person and beats them up. I wonder how many Christians, one, I kind of applaud them for realizing that there is power in the name of Jesus, even if they didn't have a relationship. I wonder how many Christians don't even realize they have that kind of authority and power. And, and in fact, they're doing the opposite. They, they're walking with so little, and therefore the devil's already won. Yeah. Because they're not walking in victory. These guys, they were walking with false authority. Yeah. But in Christ, we have real authority. So, okay, so here's the question. How do we as a church, how do we as a, let's not even say church, how do we as a community um, demonstrate healthy authority and the power of walking in freedom uh, in, in ways that show people, no, we all have this. Mm. I think an important part of the authority, a healthy authority, just to like, because it was like, that was, that was a several parted question. So the first part, it was like five questions. It was, you do that sometimes, but it's good because it really gets us on these rabbit trails. Um, I'm working on that. (laughs) Thank you for saying that way to be open and I'm trying, I'm trying to not ask so many. I liked it though. It's good. Okay. So authority, the the healthy authority is when we recognize and are verbal about it, not being our own. We were talking about that when it says we take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ is the end of that, you know, bumper sticker. (laughs) Not to my own happiness. Right. It's not my own will. It's not my own happiness. It's not for myself. It is obedience. That thought is taken captive to obedience in Christ. It's not my authority. It's Christ. It's the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave is the spirit that I have. But it's not my spirit. It's the Holy Spirit, capital H, right? And so when we recognize it as not our own, I think that's a healthy authority. Yeah. Yeah. To like piggyback off of that, I think sometimes we can get in trouble when we... We start to speak for the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yep. And, and Foot in the mouth. Now, John, the Lord wanted me to tell you that that's not right. I, exactly. <laughs> oh, it's like exactly. trauma. It's, it's just like knowing, knowing who God is and who you are in that relationship and what he's done for you and speaking out of that. And I think sometimes realizing, too, that <laughs> I, I have a hard I think I would be one of the ones, the people that you're talking about, of just having a hard time of living out that authority and being like, Mm. do I really need to say this right now? I mean, I don't think I have the authority to say that. But like realizing too that sometimes if you, if you are trying to follow after God and really listen to what he's asking of you, it might look different from what you're expecting. You know, we were talking about flourishing earlier and I was just thinking like, Sometimes things grow in unexpected ways. Mm. You know, Weeds like, can flourish. You know, well, you, said, you, know, true. Yeah. you said something kind of cool where you said um, that, oh, should I say that? And I think that it goes back to what are you delivered for? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. If it was like, Jennifer, the Holy Spirit wanted me to tell you that you weren't very nice. Okay, is that edifying? Or how do you say it? Right. You know, like, is this building uh-huh. up? What's or if it was like, I heard Jennifer say something like, oh, I'm so stupid sometimes. Like, did you know that you're... Made in the image of God. I have 100% authority in Christ to tell my sister Mm -hmm. that she is a child of God. To ban the lies. To ban the lies. I have authority to call out the truth in others, but that's not to tear them down. It's to build them up. What are you delivered for? Mm -hmm. And I think to that point, it's not just that we have the authority to do it. We have the responsibility. Amen. Mm -hmm. So uh, part of, and we've made a culture shift in this over the last year. I don't personally like the phrase lead pastor. I really don't like the phrase senior pastor. We only have one senior pastor. Makes you sound old. Yes, that's why. I don't mind. It makes you older. You're uh, half a century. I know. I'm almost half a century. Thank you for bringing it up. I could almost be your dad. <laughs> um, but here's where it came from for me. And it's, and I, 
we see it so often is I have people who assume that because I'm a pastor, only I can pray for them. Yeah. 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 Only, oh, we need, we, need, we need Pastor Jason to come and pray to, to cast out demons or to pray yeah. for healing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, wait, where did you get that from? Like, now I, I do like the language of lead pastor because God has asked me to lead. To lead. Yeah. And that's fine. But senior, no, no, I'm not the senior pastor. I'm an under shepherd. I'm the guy who that's, but here's the bigger part is this is also why we say I'm one of the pastors. I also, and this is a problem with church culture in general, when we start, when we put levels on things, pastors, directors, all those things, all of us are ministers in Christ Jesus. And we're no different than lay ministers. That's right. We are all co-laborers. That's right. That's why I like that ministers. We are all ministers in Christ. It's interesting that you said that because when you were asking about healthy authority, one of the things I was thinking about was the fact that we, part of being healthy is to understand we do have authority. Yeah. Right. And we do have, I mean, back to the responsibility side, like we do have an obligation to, to stand firm in that. Otherwise it's kind of like a negligence of what you've been entrusted to and with. Because your husband's a police officer. I could picture a cop, right? Imagine a cop who doesn't really understand his authority. That's right. Yeah. Um, sir, sir, um, I, I know you're trying to rob the bank. Um, would you please put the gun down? (laughs) Amen. Uh, sir, uh, you were driving a hundred, 150 in a school zone. Um, or if he didn't uh, say anything at all, I, he just yes. turned his head. I find myself praying pretty regularly when I'm praying with or for people. Like, thank you, Jesus, that we have the authority in yes. to, to make a true impact on this world, to truly bring your kingdom here on this yes. world. Yes, and, and, and that all flows out of our identity first. Yeah. This is where when we did our journey, our discipleship stuff, Yeah. one of my favorites was the identity triangle and understanding that our authority comes from our identity. That may be, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, then I was just going to end that with, that if with our authority comes our identity, our power comes from our authority. If I don't have authority and I wield yeah. power, that's yeah. not healthy power. And if I'm trying to wield authority, but without power, but it, all of it comes from, I must understand who I am and whose authority I actually I have. was just going to say, because even it's not even the identity of Jennifer Colby as a daughter, it. it's the identity of Jesus Christ. Yes. One of my and favorite conversations I've had recently, I love Celebrate Recovery. I volunteer there and also attend. And one of the things about Celebrate Recovery is when people are talking or like introducing themselves, they always say, hi, my name's Kate yeah. Hoppel. I'm a grateful believer of Jesus Christ and I struggle with whatever. And I had a conversation with someone and they said, you know, why do you have to say what you struggle with? Kind of feels like you're trapping yourself in that stronghold. And I said, mm. oh, no, but did you hear what I said first? first. Yeah. My identity right. is a grateful believer of Jesus Christ. That's yeah. my identity. But what I struggle yeah. with is me calling that lie out again first. and again right. and again into the light of Jesus and Christ. And the other thing, too, is like it is healthy to acknowledge what we struggle with yes. in a community of believers. And even what we were delivered from, Paul did yeah. it regularly. Yeah. Amen. I always say that I don't say I struggle with. I do change it a little bit. I'm kind of a rule breaker, you guys. What? <laughs> I know. Rebel. Well, never knew that. Never I'm an optimist fit is the word I like. It's one of my favorite books. Optimist fit. I like that. Thank it's you. Good. Good. Um, I wish I came up with it. It's a good book. Uh, but I say that I walk in victory from Amen. domestic yeah. violence and, see, and sexual assault. And the thing assault. is, even saying that out loud Amen. and using that wording is good for you. Oh, it's so well, that reminds me of my freedom. It reminds you. And that is yes. how we, that's how we take these thoughts captive. Yes. Is that we, it's not just good enough to take them, to recognize them, and to you know, take them captive. We then have to submit them to Christ, which is your point earlier, yeah. the obedience to be replaced with the truth of Christ. So yes. Paul did this regularly. And this is what, so the enemy, if there was anybody who could be attacked by the enemy, that Satan had all the tools, it would have been the apostle Paul. He was responsible for murdering the first Christian outside yeah, of he Jesus. Was, he was not a bad yeah. guy, but really? was he a bad guy? Yeah, I, but, and, and he regularly talks about, I was the chief among sinners. Yeah. And yeah, I was just talking to somebody about there's a point in when, when you realize that you've been delivered yeah. and healed, you can talk about the sin and shame without sin and shame. Right. You can talk about it and share what Jesus has done because it's no longer your identifying. And when no that power. happens, and now when you can do that, Satan can't mess with you on Amen. it. Amen. And that's how you know that you haven't fully experienced healing yet is that the enemy can still pick at that wound. Yeah. Go, oh, but you're still, don't forget, don't forget. Have you seen the movie Legend of the Guardians? And it's yes. like Jack Frost yes, and the so Boogeyman. Good. And I always think of you because Jack Frost 
center, the thing about him that brings goodness to children of the world is his fun. And (laughs) they, they, you know, this little boy looks up at Jack at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, and he says, Jack, I'm scared. And he said, it's okay, we're going to have a little fun. And he defeats fear Mm -hmm. and darkness by pretty much laughing at it. I mean, like, you have no power here. And then the boogeyman (laughs) ends up losing all of his power. And the kids kind of go like, wow, you're actually not scary at all because they see it for what it is. It reminds me of that. And there's, and I'll take that as a compliment because that is something that um, I've learned to embrace in myself. I love fun when it's in the right place. Yes. When I was younger, and I mean younger, like 10 years ago, last year, few weeks ago. <laughs> um, earlier this morning. Uh, this morning earlier than three hours earlier. <laughs> um, I would use fun to distract myself yeah. from yeah. pain. Yeah. And now I use fun to heal from pain. Yes. Right. It's the same thing too with, with, with me of like, I'm going to find peace and comfort and Zen at any cost, even if that means, you know, just trampling over everybody or ignoring everybody else to get it rather than being like we're going to come we're going to try to find a resolution a peacekeeper or peacemaker it's like i could just i could just walk away from this conflict that's happening two people going at each other or groups of people going at each other or i can step into it and say let's let's step into this mess and conflict and try to find resolution you know what's for your personality what i appreciate about you john because you have such um hear this the right way, you have a melancholy about you that it's hard to get angry because you speak such, like your tone is so soothing. That's who you are. And that's part of the gift of a nine is nines tend to be, they're very gentle and very even keel. And when there is conflict, it's hard to be screaming when somebody's talking to you like this. <laughs> and it's, it's not that hard. <laughs> but, but I mean, this is this is why this is why they're called the Poor peacemakers. <laughs> this is why they're called the peacemakers because usually when there's conflict, you need somebody who can bring the level down. Yeah. The problem is, is when you want to bring the level down when they're de-escalating for no reason at all. Well, yeah, and, mm-hmm. and I'm like, there there was the question asked, which is which kind of helps you get at the core of like who you are as as an Enneagram type, yeah. you know, where, where you land. And it's like, what do you think the world needs more of? Or what do you think is lacking in the world? And oh, I'm yeah. like, people just need to listen to each other and stop being angry. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, he says angrily. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's the hidden, yeah. yeah. But I'm like, if everybody did that and, and nobody like drove at a point or was like passionate about seeing something through, then everything would just be like falling into disrepair and nobody would be doing anything yeah. you know there would no there would be no new things built and god's doing new things all the time amen well and the reason why when i think about yelling and, and here's this the deceptiveness of satan satan rarely yells he whispers i, I wish he would yell because then i'd be like ha, i see you that's, <laughs> that's exactly why he whispers. you hear that yeah well that's it's not of... even just a whisper sometimes it comes in the form of humor or that's it comes right. in yeah. the form of yeah. you know some other sneaky tactic of so I'm, I'm reading a book right now that um, I highly recommend. I think it's probably one of the best books on masculinity I've ever read called The Five Instincts of Masculinity. Is it helpful for a woman to read? I don't Do know think? yet. Okay. I think I, well, okay. I don't I want to think, distract you. That was a personal question. No, no, no. Because here's the thing. I think there's truth in it across the board. It, it's written by a man for men. But my wife said something. She goes, there are books written for women that would probably benefit you. Right. That's and what I'm, I'm saying. Like, yeah. To help me understand. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think but to understand men, but even just the challenge. But I know for men, a lot of or things he's son. talking to. For my son, yeah. One of the things he references is he uses a play that Shakespeare wrote. It's the play where he said all the world's a stage and we're all just players. Shoot. And I don't know the name of the play. Well, but, I don't know. Don't, but he, don't Shakespeare lever- uh, basically says there are five stages of maturity for men. Or for people. And the first one, it starts off with sarcasm. And then second, that's boyhood. And then second, you go into teenagers, which is uh, adventure. And then as you move into adulthood, you start moving towards ambition. Um, I think the fourth one is pride. And the fifth one is apathy. It's when you become old and you become apathetic because you just feel there's nothing left to do. Right. And he, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a sermon series on this at some point, not just for men. And that's, so I guess, yeah, I would say, you know, I think it's applicable. Um, but he gives a challenge, particularly for, um, he talks about Cain and Abel. And one of the things that the first sin that we see outside of the Garden of, of Eden is murder. 
Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I mean, you want to talk about escalating. Oh, yeah, like yeah. super, super escalating, right? And for years, I was always taught, well, the reason why God didn't accept Cain's sacrifices is because he didn't give the best. But it doesn't say that. It actually doesn't tell us any reason. It just says that God didn't find his offering acceptable. And he actually says that the reason why Cain's sacrifice wasn't acceptable to the Lord is because Cain's heart wasn't growing yet. And that it was God's way of showing, hey, I want to expose something inside of you. How you respond to this challenge is going to reveal. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, I do that with kids all the time where it's like, it's not so much that I'm saying no to the act that you're asking for. It's because of how you're asking mm-hmm. and why you're asking. And he, no. this is why he calls it sarcasm. As he said, sarcasm. So the word sarcasm comes from two words. The Greek word sarx means flesh. Sarcasm means to tear at flesh. Yeah. And he it says, and when you're a child, you use sarcasm as your first form of defense so that you can say mean things, but in a funny way. Uh-huh. So that you can get out of things by being sarcastic. And when you're an adult and you do that, there's a reason why we think it's funny, but also annoying. Uh-huh. Because usually when somebody's fault. sarcastic, yeah. <laughs> well, sarcasm is always done at the expense of somebody else. And there's a tinge of truth in it. That's yeah. right. That's... Celebrate Recovery calls it verbal violence. Yes. And, and here's why I bring it up is that we think about the resisting. I think some, some of the stuff we don't even need the enemy to do. We have to resist in ourselves because it's a natural part of our fallenness. The enemy just knows how to push us forward. That's why I use the illustration of little Hannah. Not little, but <laughs> Hannah pushing is the devil sure. on, on Sunday. Is He's not nearly as big as we think he is, but he's still there. He's still a presence, and he still devours. And this book, uh, so far, I'm, I'm in the, the third attribute right now. Or the fourth, actually, sorry. And one of the things that I'm reminded of is that part of the spiritual warfare is that there is a lie within our culture that celebrates things that are totally unholy. Mm-hmm. And so the enemy doesn't even have to fight. He doesn't even have to wage war on it. And sadly, much of the church has believed those things. We've, we've celebrated those things. Um, why are there so many books on church leadership and not spiritual formation? Jesus never called us to be great leaders. He called right. us to be formed. And yet we focus so much attention on church leadership. Why is there so much work on productivity? Jesus didn't tell us that the goal of Christian life is to be productive. It's to be holy as I am holy. And yet, where did this, these values came from? Where Are they bad in themselves? No, but we've made them the ultimate. We've made them yeah, the goal. I think that a lot of those things that we, you know, elevate or reward in our culture, like success, you know, we hardly ever hear Jesus talk about that, but we do hear him talk about how we treat the least of these. Yes. We do hear about his feelings on greed and hypocrisy. Yeah. But how often do we celebrate those people that, you know, the helpers of the world? How, tell, me, tell me one Bible verse where Jesus says, no, Peter, let me tell you how to lead. Yeah. Yeah. No, he calls out and he talks about the role. Let me tell you how to follow. And yes. I was just going to say, in fact, if, if there is a verse on how to lead, it's when, it's, he, it's when he says, I am the rock. That's right. And you yeah. will build the church based on me. Like yeah, that. And that's why I like that interpretation of yeah. that. And there's debate about that. Yeah, I know. I, I do know. think that's a better reading of that. Because why would God ever build a church on a person? Yeah. And then, all right. So final question, and then let's be done. And I want to be real quickly here. Um. When we think about the role of uh, standing in community, how has being part of a church helped you stand in those moments when the devil is messing with you? How has community helped you resist? Mm, I like it. I, I kind of like cringe when you immediately said, how has being part of a church helped you stand? I was like, well, <laughs> sometimes it's the church. Yep. But when you said it again, of how That's has why community, I, say it twice, I liked it. <laughs> because community. One, they hold me accountable to those things that we were talking about. It's like, do you see the truth in what they're saying? When someone says, did you look at that? Or like, Jason, you stopped drinking so much Fresca, man. Like, okay, <laughs> what's, what's the truth in that? You know, they hold you accountable. Um, they see you in way, if you're truly being vulnerable, that confessional community, if you're really being vulnerable, they see you. And a lot of the truth about you that sometimes we're blinded to because of guilt, shame, yep. sin, they see the good truth in you as well, not just the bad. Um, and they can, they can hold you accountable to that as well. You know, when saying like affirming and edifying each other, encouraging each other. Um, but also 
I think that God speaks through other people and who better to speak to you that of somebody that knows and loves God yep. and knows and loves you. And knows that and so loves much, yeah. your family too. Like if you're yeah. like, who for you, who knows and loves John and who knows and loves Gabe. Yes. Like, because it's, I mean, it's yeah. so interconnected. It's so interconnected. Like that. So community helps, I think, me stand for, firm in that way. Uh, one thing for me when you said, I immediately thought of um, this idea of a prayer shield. So I have a couple women in my life who I literally, I literally see them as putting up a shield from the flaming arrows of the enemy who are protecting me in prayer, who are covering me in prayer, who I can go to and say, my, I'm dealing with this with my, with my family or I'm dealing with this personally. And the thing about that is, is like, A, you have to be, there has to be some confessional or some <clears throat> vulnerability in order to share like the prayer need there. But I just feel like really that they are standing with me in the battle. They're, they're shoulder to shoulder with me. They're, you know, co-soldiers with me in this fight. And it feels, um, it's just as free to know you're not alone. Yeah. And the isolation well, sometimes is what's the worst part. That's the end of our verse in Peter um, that says, you know, take comfort that there's others in the world suffer, sharing in your suffering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that was going to be what I was going to mention is that everybody in, in that community like that, if you are all following after Christ, it, it can be a confessional ministry of like, I, I am really struggling with this. Oh, me too. Let's, you know, and, and being able to share that with others when on your own, A, you wouldn't have anyone to share it with anyways, yeah. and B, you wouldn't want to bring that out in some way, shape, or form. You know, it would be a lot harder to do that. Yeah. And, and uh, we yeah. need to receive each other's grace, like, as a gift of, like, as a gift from God. Of, like, Amen. There's just nothing Every more, good and perfect gift comes from the there, Father. Yeah, there's just nothing more beautiful than to, especially when it comes to confessing your sin or con- confessing. Because confessing. here's the thing. It's easy for us to talk about um, the outside thing that's affecting us, right? It's much harder to talk about the internal thing that's manifesting in the outside and manifesting in the physical that, uh, that we really need to deal with. And so when we can truly share those, um, like the, the condition of our heart, yeah. um, and then receive truth and grace in that, the truth and the accountability, but then the grace to go, okay, you messed up. We're going to keep walking. And like isn't that so and- beautiful of like, you know, earlier, I'm just thinking of the Enneagram stuff when you were talking about like, oh, justifying anger. Well, how do you fight a justified anger? With grace. Yeah. In mercy. And it says it doesn't matter if I'm right, you know, or like if I'm fighting shame and pride, true humility, you know, That's or right. like laziness or, um, you know, apathy mm-hmm. is with peace and action. You know, it's just crazy to think about. The... Um- what got me thinking about it is that for me, there's power in having somebody say you're forgiven. Yeah, I, I think the, the Catholics, I, I believe Catholicism get this right. We need to confess where I don't agree is you don't have to confess to a to priest. To a priest, yeah. There is, there's something healing and there's a yeah. shield that when I confess my sin to somebody, to hear those words, in Jesus' name, you are forgiven. You have the authority to forgive. Yeah. And the enemy wants you to live in guilt and shame. I think the other side of that that's been so helpful for me and i think it's to your point john um, it's so easy to fall into the woe is me i'm the only person mm-hmm. who's experiencing this i feel so <sighs> alone or even the isolated mentality yeah. of like and, and this, this is why this is why i actually get annoyed yeah. when i when i hang out with people who act like everything in their life is perfect who don't they they're afraid of looking vulnerable all right and i <clears throat> yeah it's, it's you john i think there's i think and this is why i think it goes back to the compelling that type of community is scary for some people, yeah, but yeah. also healing and inviting. And there's a point in which all, if all you ever do is talk about your problems, that's not compelling. Yeah, and you have to guard your heart a little. Like we were talking about earlier, it's like a person can be in relationship with the Holy Spirit, but they're not the Holy Spirit. Right. Yeah. Take and, it with a grain of salt. And even, so like I've had those seasons in my life, and I'll, I'll end with this, but I've had seasons in my life where life was hard. Yeah. And I remember going to one of my best friends. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I feel like every time we talk, I'm just talking about what's wrong. And his response to me was, Jason, that's what brothers are for. You do the exact same for me. And right now you're going through a hard time. Yeah. 
and the enemy wants you to feel alone. Yeah. And that's why I yes. don't know if the image that Paul had of the shield, it doesn't say which type of shield. He might have been thinking that circular one like Captain America. I actually wonder if he was thinking more of that rectangular giant mm -hmm. shield that folds together. The, yeah, the, the Legionnaire Voltron. shield. No. <laughs> and because because we're not meant to do that alone, and that's I don't need anybody else if it's just me and my sword and my shield. Yeah. There was a cool thing that I watched that was talking about many animals in nature are born with their first instincts of what they need to survive immediately. Giraffes are born with the ability to run, to stand. Mm -hmm. That, you know, um, all of this we see it in nature. Dolphins with the ability to swim and sharks with the ability to hunt. Babies, human babies are born with the ability to cry for help. Yeah. That's what you need. It's the first thing they do when they come out of the womb. That's what you, that's your <clears throat> instinct should be to cry out for and it's help. The, it's the lamest superpower of a baby. I, know, I right? think it's the best and the hardest <laughs> one. I would think too, dependency. There's yes. nothing a little baby can do without God or without, right? And that's, and that's exactly like, how hard. funny is the difference? And I'm like, man, no, I want, I want claws or something. Ah, you know? <laughs> And, and because again, it speaks to that insecurity yeah. of us, like we want to be independent. And, and in the church, when you have a church filled with independent people, you don't have a church. Yeah. Because the church is not a gathering of people. The church is a gathering of a family, yeah. of a community. God is not a place. That was. Yeah. All place. right. Hey, thank you, Thor. Yeah. Uh, all right, all that being said, guys, hey, um, man, I'm so excited for what God is doing. We uh, continue, we have to continue to pray because we're, we're stepping into things. We're stepping into things in territory the enemy doesn't like. And so be on guard, be alert. Uh, all that being said, uh, this has been Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. Jennifer. I'm John. I'm Kate. I love you, Bob Goff. And drink your soda water. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion app. Share this episode with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another installment of the Breakthrough Breakdown.